Although this is a fight interview, the following interview contains a heavy dose of strong language and some material that may not be suitable for those under the age of 18 or with soft listening habits. Listener discretion is strongly advised. gentlemen what's good y'all andrew benjamin chris gary for another edition of the we are rising podcast and of course this man pretty much is a frequent guest of ours aside from damien beatdown brown but we all know that he's going to go into probably one of the toughest fights that he's ever had with Roberto satoshi de sosa in the Ryzen Lightweight Grand Prix quarterfinals on October 12th at Ryzen 19, where if he wins, he could potentially face off against Damian Beatdown Brown or Tofik Musayev. This six-fight UFC veteran is 5 feet 10 inches tall, weighs in at 156 pounds with a 72.5-inch reach. He's 30 years old, originally from Jefferson, Iowa, USA, but fighting out of extreme couture in Las Vegas, Nevada. This dude's currently riding a streak of four wins in five fights, aside from the one draw he had with Nathan Schulte in the PFL, and almost all of his wins over the last five fights, aside from that draw with Schulte, were via devastating first or second round knockouts. Again, as I mentioned, this man is currently a rising veteran, 2-0, going to face Roberto Satoshi de Sosa October 12th. Please welcome a frequent guest of ours, Johnny Hollywood Case. How are you doing, sir? Doing good, man. That's a hell of an introduction. I appreciate that. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm trying to shorten this shit down as much as I can, so I don't want to sound like I'm out of breath after like two minutes. Yeah, I That was good, though. That was good. So, I'm just going to ask right off the bat, Johnny. You qualified for the Lightweight Grand Prix? How does it feel? I got, you've been asked this question, you know, I asked you it, and, you know, you talked about the press conference, but I'm just going to ask again, you know, how does it feel that you made it this far in Ryzen and in this uh, Grand Prix? Yeah, it feels great, man. Like, to be honest, uh, I'm just kind of coming into my own. You know, I'm getting better and better, and I'm, I'm the best I've ever been, you know? 
I'm ready for this opportunity. I'm ready to go take this title. It's mine. I already won it. You know, I just got to go put in the work and go go take it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, uh, now I got. Oh, okay. uh, ask about you. Oh, sorry, Christian. Were you saying something? Nah, you can go ahead. I'll save it oh. after you ask something. Okay. Well, I got asked. Uh, you are taking on Roberto Satoshi Desposa, mm-hmm. um, a lightweight who is undefeated, nine uh, zero, all finishes, with his two riser wins being uh, some sort of uh, knockout TKO. Uh, are you? How do you feel going up against an opponent such as uh, as such as Desoza? Where would you say that he ranks in your eyes? Um, I know he hasn't fought yet, so you know. Uh, how would you predict uh, as a fighter where he stands with all the other fights that you've had so far? I feel great about mm-hmm. him. Honestly, like I think the matchup couldn't be better. You know, um, he's undefeated but he hasn't fought any real motherfuckers, you know what I mean? Like, those last two fights he had, those guys were both, like, 5'7", not striking at all, and came straight forward into his long, you know, long-rangey punches. So, that ain't going to happen with me, you know? And, and his takedowns aren't going to cut it either. You know, he shoots down to his knees and goes for that trip. And, you know, he's 9-0, he's got finishes, but uh, he's still really green to MMA. You know, he's a great jiu-jitsu competitor. But uh, he's still pretty green when it comes to MMA, and I and I know I can expose that, and I know he knows that. So I you know I couldn't be happier for the matchup. All the respect to him, he's doing great things, but he's just he's not. He ain't, he ain't the dude that's gonna come kick my ass. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> now, as far as this fight coming up with Roberto, compared to your other two rising opponents, Yusuke Yachi and Satoru Kitaoka. Do you feel that this holds, like, any type of threat to your progression, aside from, of course, the Rising Grand Prix? Are you saying, like, a loss, a loss to this guy? Yeah, I mean, basically, do you feel that this undefeated competitor holds some type of a threat to your career? Because, of course, he's got 100% finishing power. Not at all. Not at all. No, not at all. I look at facts. I look at the guy fight. I look at what he's good at, and to be honest, he doesn't have the skills on the feet. He's real flat-footed, real timid, but he got away with those two uh, TKOs because he was, you know, what, like eight inches longer on reach on both of those guys, you know? And the guys, you know, didn't move the feet at all, you know? So his stand-up, is he ain't anywhere he's going to hang with me. His jiu-jitsu is good. Well, he's got to take me down first. I haven't seen any takedowns out of him that, that are going to get me taken out of the ground, you know? So, I don't know. I don't want to sound cocky. I don't mean to sound like, you know, I want to shit all over this guy, but I'm talking facts here, you know, and the facts are he just doesn't have the fucking skills, man. So, I just want to ask about the uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu aspect. What, uh, are you purple belt in Jiu-Jitsu? Is it? Or is it brown belt? I have, uh, from getting my purple belt, though, I, I rarely roll in the heat, you know what I mean? So, who's to say, you know, what my, my, uh, I love that truly is. But yeah, I mean, I do have purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but um, yeah. my, my grappling is far exceeding uh, that of uh, the purple belt, but that of just a straight Jiu-Jitsu wrestler. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm a catch wrestler. I'm an MMA. I'm a hybrid grappler. You know, I'm, I'm a totally yeah. different package than just somebody who goes and puts the gi on and goes for Jiu-Jitsu. You know, I, I, I have good Jiu-Jitsu. I know, but I, I don't fight using Jiu-Jitsu, you know? I'm more of a wrestler. I'm going to fucking smash your head in. You give me a submission, I'm going to twist your arm off, I'm going to put you to sleep. That's that's my kind of jiu-jitsu. 
Obviously, the quarterfinals is just one event. The quarterfinals is going to be taking place October 12th, whereas the semifinals and finals, those are the big test. Those are going to be at the end of the year, December 29th and 31st. So I'm supposing that you are probably more prepared for that if you get past Roberto Satoshi de Sousa. For sure, yeah. I mean, I'm not looking past this fight. You know, I'm just I'm taking it one fight at a time. Um, you know, I gotta I have to take care of uh, Satoshi first, and uh, then we can think about what comes after that. But yeah, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But right now, I have an opponent I have to beat, and uh, that's what I'm gonna do. You know, get our, get our sparring up, and then we chill for a little bit, get our heart rate back down, and then go spar again. You know, so I, I've been preparing to do that, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not going to be a problem, especially when there's a, a world title on the line, you know. You kind of tend to overlook being tired, you know. Let's go fucking take care of business, and your preparation, your hard work leading up to that fight is really what's going to show on the fight night. Now, I'm curious to know, uh, in your in your opinion, uh, obviously you, you see yourself going to the finals. Who do you think will be on the other side of the ring uh, when it comes down to the finals against you? So I don't know exactly how the format's going to work, but if they keep the fucking format how it is, how the bracket looks, they'll pick off fight either Tofik or uh, Damien next round in the semifinals. Mm-hmm. And uh, Pitbull, pretty much, I mean, Pitbull got the easiest side of the bracket hands down, so I think Pitbull is the other side of that bracket. So. Oh, I said that too. I said that too. People were angry that, like, oh, like I said, oh, that was a bad, that's a bad matchup for Kawajiri. No, it absolutely is a horrible matchup for him. That is not, that's not going to end well for Kawajiri, in my opinion. I'm not going to end well. No, I mean, in a way, in a way, if Patriki Pitbull faces off against either Gustavo or Hiroto Uesako, it's going to be a hell of a lot more easier. Yeah, I agree. I don't know anything about that, uh, Cicada guy, the other Japanese fighter, but uh, you know, I don't, I don't even know how the hell he got in the tournament. To be honest, I thought you know, Yachi was tougher. I thought there was a lot more tougher guys that could go in there. You know, Kirkshank as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, that guy a little known. But then again, I always thought this was one last fight, and that was kind of a weird fight. So I, I don't know. You know, I did maybe maybe he's got some skills that they know about that I haven't seen yet. But yeah, that guy for sure, I thought was the weakest. And then. You know, Gustavo, he's a Brazilian, you know, he's probably looking up to Pitbull like he's God over, you know, over there, mm-hmm. you know, because he's a pretty world champion, so I think mentally he might already be head fucked too, you know, so. Well, 
Uh, just uh, just some, uh, some background on that. So Yui Sako, he won that uh, fight at the last rising show against Ethan Lanzu. They just they called that they considered that a uh, qualifying match, so that's how he got entered in. Regarding Kusavo and Pitbull, Kusavo said that he wants to actually uh, that he, that he wants to face off against Pitbull. That's mm-hmm. he hope that it comes down to him to to those two. Um, and and not to mention a little bit of background on both, obviously. Gustavo was the one that landed that heavy-ass knockout on Yusuke Yachi. Meanwhile, Osaka is a former Deep FC featherweight champion, but really nobody remembers that, Rain, because, of course, Deep doesn't put on their events for North American audiences. Okay. Um, Yachi looks like he got knocked out uh, of the tournament uh, due to uh, losing to Mikuru. Uh, two or three shows ago, so that's probably why he didn't make it as well. Um, okay, but uh, but um, but yeah. So I uh, uh so is there any? I know uh, Christian kind of uh, asked a little bit about this about you know preparing for this one, but I just want to know: you doing anything differently, specifically train for this Grand Prix, or is it just kind of like the same routine uh, as Shin Couture? No, not the same routine. It's never the same routine. So it's like it's always like. Uh, the same routine, I guess, in the sense of, like, be the better, be the best version of yourself and always keep improving and, and just keep worrying about yourself and, and implementing your skills there. But it's also depending on, okay, who's the opponent? What are they good at? What do we try to, you know, what what positions could they potentially be, uh, you know, a higher percentage? You know, what, what positions do I want to avoid for, you know, I mean, like, what are, they, what are their strengths, you know, kind of situation? Not necessarily, like, you know, you're looking at, like, oh, this guy's, so much better than me in this, in this. It's like, no, it's like, this guy's got a better probability of finishing the fight or catching a submission or catching a knockout in X, Y, or Z. You know what I mean? And then you just try to exist or you just try to, you know, just limit your dangers, you know, and that's just fighting the tactics, you know? So, yeah. I also just, you know, who do you, uh, who would you say or uh, who are the groups of people which, who you give credit uh, to your success, your success in Ryzen, is there anybody who you specifically like is, has trained you or is coaching you that you feel like has brought you to where you are now? Man, there's just so there's a whole list, man. Back from when I very first started fighting, you know, I could go back to yeah, my uncle Rick Kassler, um, on up to and then it was Joe Brammer, who was Joe the Hammer Brammer, who's UFC vet, opened the gym, saw potential in me, trained me, I won my first pro title. Um, you know, then moving up to, uh, you know, moving up to Ryan Hass, who, you know, was, was my manager for a really long time. Like, you know, that guy was fucking solid, did everything, you know, everything for me, you know, like he was the kind of guy that he didn't give a fuck. Like he was going to fucking bite and claw just to make sure that I got my, you know, what was good for me. Um, on up to, you know, my coaches at the lab, my coaches at Power in the May. Uh, you know, my coaches here at a few tour, my girlfriend, my kids, my family, my mom, my dad, my brothers and my sisters, you know, I just, it's been, it, you know, the, I, I can't exactly have a, like, say like this, this group is more important than this group. It's just, it's been such a collective, uh, you know, team and support group from the begin, beginning of my career to, to now. And so everybody that, everybody that's been there knows who they are and they know that they're, they're appreciated more than, more than I'll ever repay, you know. Mm-hmm. So also, I just want to also add in addition to that, you know, a lot of people who, uh, who uh, after they, uh, they either leave or the USC releases them, you know, there's so many different very, very careers we've had. We've seen people, like you have to step to them, we see people like Johnny Hendricks, uh, Bigfoot Silva, 
who just seemed to go down, who was just like, their peak was is over here, but now they're all the way down here. So I was just trying to figure out, you know, you know, just, yeah, but like, what was this like? Did you ever fear your career maybe wouldn't go such a way that, you know, that maybe UFC, you know, after being released from UFC, it might just, it might not have been as good as, good as it is now? Um, you know what, to be honest, in the first, like, the first time I got released, it was really fucking hard because nobody tells you that when you, when you fight for the UFC. Actually, when you, you know, when you win four fights in the UFC and then you lose two really close decisions, you get cut from the UFC, you're pretty much fucking blacklisted, man, because nobody wants to fucking fight you for $1,500. Hmm. <laughs> you know I mean? Nobody <laughs> on the regional server wants to fucking fight you because they know they're going to get their ass beat. And then again, like, the big, the bigger promotions like Bellator, 1FC, those guys aren't really going to bring you in either because, you know, they've got, they got their guys that they're trying to build. They have their guys that they're trying to get fights for. So, you know, it, it was kind of fucking rough going, you know, touch and go where I was like, man, like, I don't know if I if I have a choice, but I think I might have to fucking retire. You know, you just can't fucking put food on the table. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sick of coaching boxing and you know having to barely scrape together ends me. And at the end of the fight, you know, I'm losing money and paying my camps. And but uh, you know, I, I, I kind of got this mentality where it's like, no, they're not going to fucking take this dream from me. You know, and uh, you know, no matter what, I'm just going to keep my head up. I'm just going to keep plugging away. And you know, they can't deny win. So, you know, I'm just going to make sure I keep racking up wins. And, and then, you know, I, gotta, I know I got a product that sells. People like to watch me fight. I'm an exciting guy. I always go for the finish. And uh, I just knew it was a matter of time before we got a fight and, you know, we're getting paid where we can actually, you know, financially support ourselves. And, and uh, you know, now look at us going for a run for the world title. So. Mm-hmm. Well, sorry, Christian, just gonna ask one more, uh, one more uh, subset of that question. Well, was that almost? It sounds like it was almost like a motivation. After you know, after a while, it seemed like you know you were down, but then it almost became a motivation. You know, just be like, okay, you got rid of me. Let me show you what I'm really made of, kind of thing. Is that kind of? Because in a wrestling terminology, you could be fighting in sold-out arenas and stadiums one minute and then have to go down to the VFW Hall or your local convention center to fight the next. But in a way, in a way, do you think that when it comes to professional MMA, 
Whereas you have the UFC as the be-all, end-all to the most folks, but you have all these other little promotions, not just for the men, but for the women as well, with Invicta sprouting up every second. Do you think that competition is good for professional combat sports in general? Oh, absolutely, and for sure. You can't have what the UFC was doing and kind of monopolizing it, you know what I mean? And, then, and of course, everybody's dream is to get to the UFC, you know? But once you get to the UFC and you kind of, you see how it operates, you realize, like, man, is it really the best promotion in the world? I don't know. For sure, we could say that it's got the most, that it's got the most depth of the best fighters in the world. It's got the whole top ten of every division in the UFC, you know, those guys are all world class, you know, could all be champions. Where other promotions don't quite have the depth, but do they have the best fighters? I don't know. We don't know. We haven't seen any other champions from the promotions. You know, check it out. So, uh, you know, does it pay the best? Mm, no, not really. You know, it depends on who you are. I guess. You know, you know, there's so many things that go into it. Do you know? Do they treat you the best? You know, no, I don't think they do. Hmm. You know, so there's so many things that you look at as a fighter. And it's like, oh, do I want to just be, you know, in the NFL of the, of the fucking, of the MMA world? And sure, then the UFC is where you want to go. But if you want to have a career and support yourself and to set up a future and, uh, you know, X, Y, and Z, whatever your reasons, then there's definitely, you definitely need competition and there's definitely greener pastures out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be yeah. quite honest, when it comes to the UFC, I think... Ever since they started giving Conor McGregor and John Jones every which way to be popular and they started doing all this Reebok bullshit, I mean, it's really crazy to me that they still hold like a stranglehold to professional MMA where some of the fighters like yourself at one point in time didn't even have the freedom to express yourselves aside from you know, getting chest tattoos or getting anything about you bad in the media. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it kind of took this, you know, when the Petita, the Golden Area, like, I had never been treated so well, and, you know what I mean, like, it was awesome, you know, they, they brought me around, they were trying to build me as a fighter, you know, they were bringing me to appearances, they were uh, meeting new fans, meeting greets, and then, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden, the new owners come in, they do the Reebok thing, it's like everybody's generic, and it, and it fucking turns into pro wrestling, you know, and it's like, it's, it's no longer necessarily about who's the best guy or building the best guys, it's about who can fucking put asses in the seats and, and talk shit, you know what I mean, and what's Connor? No, he hasn't won a fucking fight since when, 2015? Huh. So Maybe not. Eddie Alvarez. Yeah, yeah, that was the last. I mean, so you look at that. If if that if, if Conor McGregor didn't talk like he talked, and you know didn't have the flash, if he just if he was nothing but fighting, we would look at that guy and say that guy's fucking. You know, he ain't anything special. You know, he definitely wouldn't come back and be fighting for title shop. At, you know, whenever the fuck you, he asked for it. So I don't know, man. I mean, they do business the way they do, and you know, they're who knows they're they're. they're I don't know the numbers or whatever, but I, I think they're probably the biggest MMA promotion in the world. Uh, I, I don't know, though. But, uh, you know, so who am I to try to tell them how to fucking do business? But at the same time, as a fighter, it's like, man, like, kind of like, it's kind of like finding out Santa Claus isn't real, you know? Like, you have all these, all these, these admirations and all these hopes and dreams, and then you get to the UFC, and you're like, man, this is how they fucking conduct themselves? It's like, god damn, dude. I thought we wanted the best fighters in the world, top of fucking clown and fucking dog pony show you know what i'm saying yeah and you know in a way when it comes to 
you know, with the world at large. I know I already asked you about, you know, what would you be doing if you weren't a fighter and all this shit, but do you think that when it comes to how crazy, how, you know, interspersed our world is now, do you think that the world can learn a lot from martial arts in general? Oh, without a doubt, man. I know that for a fact, because if it wasn't for martial arts, you know, I would just be the same lost kid, like, no direction in my fucking working a job. I hated, you know, going to bars every weekend. You know, through martial arts, I found myself. I found what was really important in life. I found, you know, how to be a man. I found all the best qualities in my life through, through MMA. So I definitely think it's a good tool for anybody, you know, even if they're not going to do it as a, you know, even fight or even do it professionally. I think just learning and, and having the discipline to, to be humbled and to, you know, to go aside, it, it can only help the world, man. Mm-hmm. Understood, understood. And one more question I gotta ask before I swing it back over to Andrew. There's this boxing match that's gonna be happening November 9th that's on a packed sports night, and it's gonna be featuring two YouTubers, one named KSI, the other Logan Paul, that are gonna be boxing professionally in their pro debuts. But do you think that when it comes to influencers when it comes to celebrity personalities do you think that they could actually go in professional mma and look to do the same shit like how they're doing in boxing fuck no now the background of like being an entertainer that's not pro wrestling shit they're doing man now no maybe do i think anybody can be a martial artist for sure sure yeah absolutely but there's no fucking easy path there's no easy route you can't just want to just be like Oh, I'm gonna be a pro fighter because I got all these followers on YouTube, and I think it'd be really cool. And I think it'd be a fun thing to do. Well, the thing about MMA is you're gonna be fucking humble, or any combat sport, you know, especially one when you're taking blows to the head. You're gonna find out really fucking quick that it ain't all fun and games, and it's hard to be the man when you're getting fucking locked up by your face. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I wish you both the best, but uh, I think they should probably. Uh, Take a few amateur fights. Take, you know, do a few jiu-jitsu competitions. Do a few kickboxing, you know, smoker fights, and uh, take it from there before just stepping into the big leagues. True, true. Mm. Or in a way, you know, people are gonna love you when you're high and mighty, but they're not gonna love you when you're taking too many shots to the face like an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll say this for the record: I would pay. I would say triple digits to watch you, Johnny Case, take on both of the Paul brothers. I don't know if you're familiar with them, the YouTube, uh, Logan Paul, Jake Paul, at the same time. Because I would have no doubt in the world that even one arm tied behind your back, you could probably kick both their asses in a boxing match and in an MMA match. Anywhere they wanted to cut the cake, man, we could fucking get down for sure. Both of them at the same time, if they want to line up one after the other. However the fuck they don't want to do it, man, but... I'm down, for sure. <laughs> you know what? You could treat it like that movie Digstown with Lou Gossett Jr. Have, like, ten crazy YouTube influencers come into the ring to try and take you out one by one. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be pretty fun. And just just keep it like the Kumite, man. Just after I knock one out, the next one, just keep cycling them in and cycling them in, man. And Kumite, that's a great way to put it. And as you go in the, uh, back to your opponent, uh, I'm, I'm, and this is what I want to ask. We kind of discussed the last time I talked. You, your two rise and win finishes are very unique. One was a doctor's stoppage with uh, Yachi, and then the second one against Kitaloka, uh, his towel, uh, his, his towel, his... His man threw in the towel. 
Yes. Yeah. So, uh, I'm curious to know, those technically are finishes, but I guess physically you didn't finish them in the traditional sense of finishing somebody. Do you want to finish this, uh, the episode with your own hand in this fight? You know, as long as I'm, I'm, I'm exciting and I'm, you know, like, and I'm, I'm the fight, I don't really give a shit. Yeah, I mean, they're kind of unique, you know. I don't know of anybody that's uh, thrown in the towel in between corners in MMA, you know what I mean? I, I think Chris Lieben did when he fought Uriah Hall. Like, but other than that, that's kind of a unique, you know, stoppage there. So that's kind of cool. It's kind of like a feather in my cap almost there. Um, as far as the cut, I mean, yeah, that's kind of unfortunate. Nobody likes to win by a cut. But, um, you know, who knows? I think, I think we kept, with the Yachty fight, I think we kept going. And I think, you know, I was going to put him out. You know, he had one of his, one of his eyes was swollen completely shut before the cut anyway. So, you know, I think it was a matter of time. But, yeah, you finish, finish is always the goal. Finish whether it's the mission, knocked out. Cut. Fucking. He crawls out of the ring. I don't care. Just to finish the fight. Hmm. Or in the case of the Woga fight, gets carried, has to get carried to his corner. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so how, 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 I know, I know you said that, you know, he doesn't have the most MMA experience. And he, uh, but I'm curious to know, how long do you think this fight will go on? Do you think, if, if, if you, do you think this fight will be finished early by your hands or? Do you think he could survive uh, all three rounds? Uh, you know, I don't know. It kind of depends on his preparation. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bank that for a fact. He's he's training. He's gonna be the best version of himself. You know, so you know, I'm gonna plan going to street fights, and you know, he doesn't want to lose either. So he's gonna give me his eight games. So um, yeah, I mean, I feel like you know, I go in there, I do me, and I, I, I put him away. You know, that should how that should be how the fight is anyway. You know. Nah. You know, you go in and you become the best version of yourself, and you don't worry about them, and I mean, that's sad, but I'm also a very smart fighter, I'm a very patient fighter, you know, and if I'm not finding the opportunity to finish the fight, I'm not going to take the stupid risks, you know, that are going to potentially put me in danger, so we'll see if, he, if, his, if his preparation has been good, and he's, uh, he's, he's been doing his studies, and he's... You know, maybe maybe studied me, and he sees some some tactics he can deploy to you know just kind of slow the fight down. Then yeah, I mean, I think he could be more than capable of going the distance. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to concern myself with that. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to go for the kill, and you know, I'm going to be smart and I'm going to be you know tactical, but I'm also going to be fucking tenacious and I'm going to be in his face. So we'll see. So now, here's the thing that we talked about off-air. I have a set of 10 short questions that I'm going to ask you. Now, I'm curious to know, uh, have you ever heard of the show Inside the Actor Studio? No. Uh-huh. Okay, well, it's, it was this show that was hosted by James Liston, a soap opera actor on Bravo. And they would always have actors come in and talk about the careers, yada, yada, yada. Uh, when I was uh, a kid, uh, when I was in high school, I was at the yard, so I loved this show. Um, but one of the things that he would ask at the end of the program, he would ask these 10 questions, and, the, and he got these from cultural critic, uh, French cultural critic, Bernard Pivot, and supposedly these 10 questions, like, I guess, you know, you can really find out about a person when you ask these questions and hear their answers, supposedly, you know. You've always, you've probably heard, like, you know, oh, listen, this question can tell, like, if you're a... Pisces or your person or some shit like that. You've probably heard that question before, right? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, here are the ten questions that he would always ask, James Lister would always ask at the end of the uh, program. Are you ready? Let's hit it. What is your favorite word? 
is your least favorite word? Man. <laughs> what turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Get that vibe. What turns you off? Negative vibe. What is your favorite curse word? <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, can I say cut? Yes, you can. Yes. A version of cut. Because that, that, that's more of a filthy, and I, I would never call it a deep game of that. I'm sorry, but I'll say that. I'm going to my good friends. Okay. Uh, what sound or noise do you love? Do I love? Yeah, what sound or noise do you love? The sound of uh, the pad cracking when you punch and kick them. Mm. What sound or noise do you hate? Uh, the screaming of agony. <laughs> Your agony or other people's agony? Just anybody. Like anybody in the gym and you hear yelp. Mm. Uh, nails on the chalkboard, which I uh, said. Could be the least favorite sound too. <laughs> wow. Gotcha, gotcha. So uh, uh, Christian kind of asked this question, uh, but I think it's a little bit different um, the way that it's phrased. So I'm still gonna ask it anyway. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Rock star. <laughs> what profession would you not like to do? Fuck anything where I have a boss. Mm-hmm. And the last question: If heaven exists. What would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? You made it, fucker! <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, those are the ten questions that he would always ask every actor, director, writer at the end of the program. And I think you're the first MMA fighter who's probably been ever asked these ten questions in the history of probably, like, Earth and the Universe. <laughs> well, it's an honor, man, and I appreciate it. Hmm, James um, Lipton would be proud, to be quite honest. <laughs> hell yeah. So, yeah, you know, at least we know, you know, you probably get, you know, you probably, you know, talk about fighting so much, I don't know, like, I know that some MMA fans get so tired of talking about it, they like to talk about other things, so I was like, oh, you know what, maybe this will break up the monotony of just talking about kicking somebody else's ass or something like that. Yeah, it was pretty cool, I, I, I dug it But, uh, uh, with that, uh, Christian, do you have any more questions for Johnny? Well... None of which that you already asked. <laughs> I mean, shit, you have me beat. All I have to ask is, is there any way for your fans to contact you? We asked this before. We might as well ask again. Is there any way for your fans to get in contact with you and tell you good luck and all that shit? Yeah, for sure, man. You guys can hit me up on Twitter and hit me up on Instagram at Hollywood Case. And then you guys can hit me up on Facebook at Johnny Hollywood Case fan page. Okay. And, and uh, I also want to give you an opportunity to plug your team, your sponsors, uh, anybody else. You, you, you talked about them before, but, you know, give, them, give everybody else another shout-out who you did uh, give a shout-out to before. As well as your sponsors. I just want to say thanks to all my family and friends and my baby boys and Emily and all my coaches, all my teammates. They're helping me put in the hard work and the preparation, and I couldn't do it without you guys. Thanks so much. Mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, one more question, even though I know that, you know, people should know you from the UFC, but if there's anything that you would like to say to fans who haven't seen you compete before or to your opponent, language barrier be damned, this is a chance for you to talk your shit and say what's on your mind about 
Hoberto Satoshi de Sosa, or anybody in the Rising Grand Prix who you want to face. And also to first-time fans who haven't seen you and want to see you. For sure. For, for the fans, I would say, watch. You'll see I'm exciting. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not just out there trying to win fights. I'm out there trying to put on a show. You know, it's for, it's for the fans. I get a high on, on entertaining. And, you know, like I said... I feel like a rock star when I'm fighting, you know. I feel like I'm on the stage and everybody's watching, and it's my job to entertain. And, uh, you know, I, I aim to do that every time I fight. Um, to my opponents, you know, nothing but respect to all of them. I don't, I'm not really the kind of guy to talk shit. Um, you know, I feel something in my heart, I'm going to say it. But, uh, you know, I don't need to talk shit, you know. <laughs> At the end of the day, <laughs> we're going to get in there, we're going to fight anyway. So I'll save my words and uh, just be respectful because um, with them, I couldn't stop there and do what I do, so, you know, they're, they're half to fight as well, so, nothing but love and respect for them, but at the end of the day, I'm not getting there, I'm going to kick you out to the ass, so, sorry, it's just business. Huh. Uh, so, so, sorry, John, I just wanted to uh, uh, clarify as well, do you have any sponsors you want to give a shout-out to, are you soliciting sponsors, you know, I want I want you to get that out there, because I know that sponsors are very important for fighters. Especially yeah, yeah, if so they're away from the UFC that. umbrella, of course. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Which, which actually kind of killed the, uh, the sponsorship market, you know, so nobody finds the value and, uh, and paying you for sponsors anymore. So, you know, most of the guys just give me products and shit like that. So, mm -hmm. thanks, UFC. But please, go ahead and talk about your sponsors real quick. <laughs> for, for sure, for sure. So, I have a couple sponsors in Japan, actually. A Lift and All DVD company. Um, those guys are awesome. You know, they've, they've uh, been on board and they've had my back since day one. Uh, also, Tokyo Hemp Cafe. Um, also, Elite Edge Gym and Des Moines, Iowa. And, uh, yeah, that's it. That's it for this guy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Great. And I'm going to go ahead and close it out by saying that Johnny Case will be facing off against Roberto Satoshi de Sosa. At Ryzen 19 in the quarterfinals of the Ryzen Lightweight Grand Prix. I'm sorry for that little background noise. My cat wanted to try and get in the audio. <laughs> but still. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm crazy about animals. But still, if you want to check out Johnny Case, feel free to check out all his social media that he mentioned. Or, you know, check him out at Ryzen 19. Versus Roberto Satoshi de Sosa on Saturday morning, 11, I mean, Saturday morning, October the 11th at 1 a.m. Eastern, October 11th on, ah, damn it, what am I saying? It's got me all fucked up, man. But basically, what, I, what I'm saying is you can check him out at Ryzen 19 on October 12th at 1 a.m. Eastern or October 11th at 10 p.m. Pacific live on the Fight TV app and Fight.TV. That is Fight, F-I-T-E, hashtag Fight like you mean it. But other than that, Mr. Case, aside from all the craziness that's been spewed in this podcast, we thank you for joining us. You know, may peace be with you, even though you're going to probably bring a whole hell of a lot of war to your bout in Osaka. And, you know... We just hope that you get through this Rising Lightweight Grand Prix without having to deal with too many challenges, basically. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's always the goal, too, man. It's pretty. <laughs> yes, thank you, Johnny. We'll definitely be looking forward to your fight and your progression into this uh, Lightweight Grand Prix. We definitely feel like you're definitely going to go far in this tournament. Well, yeah, I appreciate it, guys. It's so fantastic, you guys. So I appreciate the time. And we appreciate you.
your time as well. Okay. All right, have a good night, guys. Thank you very much. You too, Johnny. Later. Bye -bye.